Well, howdy A&M Church of Christ and our many guests. Thanks for joining us via the internet today. You know, we continue to ramp up face-to-face -face gathering opportunities in our small groups and in ministry and support groups. Also keeping an eye on COVID numbers locally here in Bryan College Station. Today we continue our sermon series from the Psalms entitled Rescue. And our focus today is on Psalm 130, one of the shortest of the Psalms, yet also one of the most powerful. Before we get into the text, I have a question. Do you ever feel like you're drifting? Not an inner tube down a lazy river sort of drifting, but more like a boat lost at sea. Do you ever feel like you're drifting away from God? If not you personally, do you know someone who seems to be adrift as the storms of uncertainty or loss or hopelessness rage around them? You know, people who find themselves adrift are not alone. Almost all of us will go through seasons when life doesn't seem to make sense. When we mourn our losses, pray for relief from our pain and disappointment. It's in these times that we need an anchor. Something that keeps us connected to God even when we may not feel that God is connected to us. The psalmist writes the following in Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I will put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Now this is what I call an anchor psalm. A psalm of lament that cries out to God from the depths of despair. A psalm written by one who cries out to God for mercy. A psalm that acknowledges the outcome of forgiveness. The power of waiting on God. The power of hoping in his word. The power of God's unfailing love. This is an anchor psalm. The type of psalm that can keep us from being torn apart when the storms of life rage on. The anchors are fascinating inventions. They are designed to keep boats from drifting. They're actually designed to slow a vessel's drift, not tie the vessel down. And you see, a tied down boat may actually suffer more damage. A psalm like Psalm 130 is designed to keep us from drifting. Now, I could spend a lot of time this morning telling you about this psalm, 
Or I could introduce you to someone who has lived it. And I think the latter is the better choice. We extended an invitation to Dr. John Mark Hicks to join us virtually today to walk us through a few excerpts from his book, Anchors for the Soul, Trusting God in the Storms of Life. In his book, he lists five anchors that keep us connected to God when the storms of life rage around us. These anchors are God loves, God listens, God understands, God rules, and God wins. Our very own Zach McCartney had Dr. Hicks as a professor during his MDiv program. He interviewed Dr. Hicks and asked him a few questions about his life and his book. And it's our pleasure to share this interview with you today. Well, Dr. Hicks, we are so, so excited that you decided to join us. Thank you so much. Don't want to waste any time. Let's just dive right in. Um, in the book, you talk a lot about your journey with grief. Could you tell us a little bit about that and just walk us through your story and how this taught you how to wrestle with grief from uh, your experience and from what you know of the scriptures? My, my story of um, the death of my first wife in 1980 uh, and the death of my son at 16 years old in 2001. So walking through those moments of grief and, and trying to work with grief and look grief in the eye, I mean, I spent a lot of time trying to escape grief, trying to run from it, trying to suppress it. Um, and I learned that, you know, that wasn't really the healthy thing to do. And so um, I learned that lament was a healthy practice, uh, that lament gave me the opportunity to uh, unload my soul, to vent, to rage, even if that's what was you know, on my heart. It, it gave me the moment to tell God exactly how I'm feeling when in fact um, I was worried about whether God wanted to hear how I was feeling or not. So I think after my first wife died in 1980, I went through a period of time of struggle, felt betrayed by God, felt um, resented God, anger, angry with God. And I didn't know what to do with those feelings. And that is, that's what lament is about, is lament is, is being able to tell God exactly how we feel. And to be able to say that with confidence and boldness, because God invites us to do that. God invites us into the dialogue. God invites us into the struggle, into the wrestling. And God already knows what we're thinking and feeling. So it's not like God's going to be surprised when we tell God how we feel, right? So this is God's invitation. Yes, crawl up in my lap. Beat on me if you like but tell me how you feel because I already know how you feel, but it'll be good for you if you tell me how you feel. And I think that that, um, that is one of the main things I learned through my walk through grief because I know that the, that then never occurred to me before grief, before grief, I thought, well, everybody's supposed to be happy as a Christian. Everybody's supposed to rejoice and always rejoice and never have a negative thought, never have an angry thought about God, never have a, a sense of betrayal about God. But when you read the Psalms, that's just not the way people of faith lived. They, they lived with the reality of their hurts. 
and they expressed them before God. Now, now you mentioned the anchors. You know, I, I call the first anchor God loves. God loves us unrelentingly. God pursues us unrelentingly. That's, a, that's the foundational anchor because that anchor gives me the confidence to tell God how I feel. If I know my parent loves me, if I know my dad loves me, if I know my mom loves me, I can tell them how I feel, and I know they're not going to strike back, that they're not going to, you know, unlove me. They're going to continue to love me. So when I know God loves me, and I know that most of all because Christ died for me, you know, when I look at the cross, I see God loves me. So because God loves me, and God has invited me to wrestle with God. That's what Israel means, right? The word Israel means one who wrestles with God, one who struggles with God. So Israel struggled with God. Jacob wrestling on, on the banks of the river there. And Israel as a whole wrestling with God. So when we feel like we need to wrestle with God, that's not something we pull back from. That is something we engage. And lament is one of the ways we can do that. It's one of the ways to wrestle with God. Dr. Davis, could you tell us a little bit more specifically about your journey through the Psalms and how the church can benefit from them? Yeah, in my experience, I'd read the Psalms before. At least I thought I had. But after my wife died, and about nine months or so after she died, when I was still kind of, in the throes of my anger and disappointment with God. A friend told me, you know, John Mark, why don't you read the Psalms? And, I, you know, I looked at him like, I've read the Psalms before. You know, I, I didn't say that out loud, but inside of me, I'm like, who are you to tell me to do that? I mean, I, I got two master's degrees, you know, and I'm studying for my doctorate. And I've read the Psalms before, but he was right. I don't remember if it was a he or she, to tell you the truth. I don't remember who that was. I have no clear memory who that was. I just remember being told that. And I started reading the Psalms. Begrudgingly. Unexpectedly. You know, I didn't think I was going to see anything new. But I was in a new moment in life, in a new situation in life that when I read the Psalms this time, I began to see things that I hadn't seen before. I began to feel things I hadn't felt before. I come to Psalm 6, and how long, O oh Lord, must I have anguish in my soul? How long? I come to Psalm 10. Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And I'm saying, amen, amen, Psalms, you know. And then I come to Psalm 13, which becomes the most important Psalm in my journey. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I have sorrow in my heart every day? Look at me. Answer me. Give light to my eyes that, I'm a, that my enemy may not rejoice over me. Nevertheless, I trust in your unfailing love, for you have been good to me. Now, when I read that psalm, verses 5 and 6 didn't resonate with me as well, but Verses 1 and 2, and along with the petition in 3 and 4, that 
resonated. I said, I can pray that. I mean, I hadn't been talking to God much. In fact, there was a period of time I didn't talk to God at all because I was mad at him and I didn't know, I didn't know what the line was, you know, and you, and you start talking to God out of, out of anger and you're afraid of crossing that, that line that, oh, now I'm out. Uh, that's because I didn't have anchor one down very well, right? God loves me. So God invites me to speak. And the Psalms give us the permission to speak. They, these are the prayers of Israel. And if Israel can pray these Psalms, we can pray these Psalms. In fact, we're told in the New Testament to sing to ourselves, right? In Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're, we're told to sing these. So Psalm 13 is something I can pray. And I began, and I began to read the Psalms empathetically. That is, I know that experience. I know that feeling. Will you forget me forever? How long must I have sorrow in my heart every day? How long is this going to last? When are you going to do something? When are you going to give light to my eyes so I can see again and get out of this fog? And so having the, reading the Psalms empathetically, that is reading them as one who is situated where they're situated, in the midst of hurt and pain and grief. It gave me new eyes to read the Psalms. I think before when I read the Psalms, those just kind of didn't mean anything because I wasn't there. I hadn't had that experience. I didn't know what that was like. Never felt that way about God before. But now I can read them and say, oh, I feel like that. Those are the words of my heart. And so taking up this as the song of my heart, and to wrestle with God through lament. Hmm. You mentioned that the Psalms are the prayers of Israel. Is there any way that the church can experience those prayers together as Israel did? Um, well, in Israel, these are corporate Psalms, right? They're not individual Psalms. They're part of a corporate prayer book, part of a corporate hymn book that is sung as a body of people. So these are very communal in their intent and very communal in their use. Even today, you know, Jews in the synagogue go to the synagogue daily and recite the Psalms as a community, uh, whether it's a group of men or a group of women. But uh, yeah, I think that in our churches, we don't have particularly good ways of doing this, or we don't have practices in place that help us. I think it'd be helpful to have a psalm in every service on Sunday that the church recites together or has a responsive reading together. In other words, expose us to the psalms every service, whether it's an opening call to worship or whether it's a moment of prayer. Um, learn to do kind of communal practices with the psalms. And don't just simply cherry pick all the praise and thanksgiving psalms. Let's, let's do some lament psalms. I think, you know, we're in this COVID season right now. Uh, there, there's some time to lament. There's a place to lament here. Uh, lament the deaths, laments the struggles, lament the unemployment, lament the distancing uh, and the disconnection that some of us feel. So there's something to lament. And maybe, maybe when we come back to worship together, Maybe we need to do a little lamenting uh, yeah. as well as thanksgiving, which is what the Psalms do. So the Psalms, you know, 
about almost one half of the Psalms are lament, hmm. which if you think about life, yeah, life is filled with good stuff and bad stuff. One of my favorite lines of the whole book was this, trust rather than reason is how we embrace the meaning of suffering. Doctor, could you elaborate on that just a little bit and just tell us about that line? Well, thank you. Um, yeah, that, I think that is an important consideration. Uh, think about if you, were at, if you were at the cross and you were looking at Jesus dying, hopefully we would all have this sense of, of horror that the empire is crucifying an innocent person. We would just be angered maybe even, certainly deeply saddened by the injustice of this moment. And we could conceive of no rationale, right? I mean, if you were at the cross and you're looking at Jesus dying, that you would not, we would not have any kind of rationale for why that was a good thing or what good could come out of this. Not that it was a good thing per se, but what good could come out of this? We would say, this is totally worthless. This is totally gratuitous. This should have never happened. What in the world is God doing? You see, Jesus had a similar feeling, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why? So Jesus had that feeling too. But you notice where Jesus was, though. Even though he had that question and, and voiced it, for whatever reason he voiced it, he also had this other statement that we see in the Gospel of Luke. That's a quotation from Psalm 31. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Trust trust. We could not rationalize our way out of that moment to justify God. We would, I don't think we could have had that capacity to say, oh, I got this figured. I know how this works. What we'd have to do is trust, just like Jesus did in his dying words, trust that God, God knows what God's doing. And I'm going to trust that. Because I sure don't know what God is doing, and I sure don't know why it's happening, and I can't give a justification for it that would solve all the problems and root out all the questions. No, I'm going to have to trust. And here's what I trust. I trust in the goodness of God. And the reason I trust the goodness of God is because of what God did in Jesus. That's why I can trust. I don't, I don't have this irrational trust. It's not like, oh, let me just choose something to trust. No, I have a reason to trust. The reason is not I have it figured out. The reason is because of what God showed of God's self in Jesus Christ. That's the reason I trust. And when I see the story play out in Jesus, Jesus' trust played out, right? He was raised from the dead and God exalted him to the right hand and enthroned him. And that story is my story too. So I'm going to go through the suffering and I may have some questions when I'm going through the suffering. I'm going to have some questions. But maybe also I can trust because even though I don't know the answers to the questions, I can still trust. And God will ultimately 
redeem us the way he redeemed Jesus of Nazareth. We're so thankful that you decided to join us. Thank you so much, Dr. Hicks. The church really benefited from this. You know, Dr. Hicks said so many wonderful things during the interview, but there's one phrase that just grabbed me. He said, God knows what God is doing, and I'm going to trust that. The entire interview is available on our YouTube channel. We're also purchasing several copies of the book, Anchors for the Soul, and we'll soon have those available to pass along to people you meet who may be in a season of drifting. Let's close today by reading Psalm 130 once again. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I wrap up this morning by mentioning a quote that I referenced just a few seconds ago. I think it sums up this psalm so beautifully. As an anchor for our soul, God knows what God is doing, and I'm going to trust that.